You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use the take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean, dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Fantasy round what is going on everybody welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast part of the pigskin podcast network you can find them at pigskin Podnet on twitter or you can search the hashtag tppn it is very early on this beautiful monday morning memorial day hopefully all of you have uh been able to be off of work as well and enjoying this long weekend i have dove headfirst into stranger things for the first time in my life so that's been enjoyable for me this weekend matt dennis how have you guys uh been the past couple days how's your weekend going or three day weekend it's still the weekend right because you're off work yeah it's still the weekend for me i i dove headfirst into uh pruning and and uh chopping down bushes around the perimeter of my one acre yard yesterday we've got this i think it's called a white mulberry it's an invasive plant and it'll grow like it'll go from a sprout to like a a two inch um uh, trunk in like a season and we've got i had some that were probably four inches four inch trunks they've been growing for a couple years and they're they're kind of viney and they hang over and and it would and just it was a lot of pruning. There's, I've got two great big piles of stuff to dry out and burn up here uh, at some point in the future. But, you know, my hands hurt today. That was really good for my arthritis. Um, you know, I feel like I just went, you know, 12 rounds trading punches with Marvin Hagler, if anybody's old enough to remember who Marvin Hagler is. Um, 
but my hands hurt. Uh, I'm going to whine about it all day long. And hopefully that keeps my wife uh, at bay with the more honeydew list while we, uh, you know, plan our kitchen renovation that's on the docket for this year. Yay, me. Yeah, you know, this is good. We'll continue like old man corner. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> so you guys know I work Sundays. So <clears throat> I was off Friday and Saturday. We went and saw Maverick right after we got off the air on Friday and that was fantastic. Took the wife to see Downton Abbey. Yesterday I worked in the morning and then we got together with some friends and we went to this uh, place called Summit. We we bowled uh, and we got to play in the arcade, do a little ski ball and stuff. But let me tell you, when you cross a certain Rubicon, throwing a 15 pound ball like 40 times down a lane does something different to your shoulder. So Dude, I definitely it, am feeling that. And then, man. yeah, my wife's like, oh, my wrist hurts. And I'm like, my elbow feels it. My shoulder feels it. I My arm feels like it weighs a lot. I don't remember bowling being like this 15 years ago. Moral of the story, kids, don't get old. <laughs> Hold on to that youth as long as possible because it catches but, up with you quickly. I can't wait for you to finish and catch up to Stranger Things, which will probably be like a month and a half. Was oh, there. no, it'll Lins, be like a week. Lins and I started oh, season four. No. I guess it will be a while because now once I finish season one, I'm going to have to start watching with my wife. Because if, if I didn't, it would be an everyday thing as soon as I got home. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I don't know why I took so long to get into the show, but yeah, I'm, I'm hooked. Already almost done through season one. I was just telling Matt before the show that I stayed up till about almost three o'clock in the morning this morning watching, trying to get through season one. I've got one episode left. And if you would have it's had to what work, I was watching before I came over here. I was, I was debating on sending you guys a message because I've got like 20 minutes left of, of the season. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, uh, guys, I'm going to be a little late. Why don't you start without me? I'll come join show midway through. But then I was like, nah, let's go. We'll do this. And then we'll get right back into it. So. You guys are with us Friday. We were talking about NFC RB positional depth. We went through 16 through 9. I'm going to recap those really quick. Uh, however, Matt said, uh, what was it? Ascending, right? Ascending order. Am I sending that correctly? When you go from the bottom to the top, it's ascending. That's right. Hey, look. Mama Isn't didn't raise no fool. The Atlanta Falcons were Just 16. like the podcast itself, ascending. Ascending exactly. goes up. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing, right? Ascending. We're going from the bottom. When you go from the bottom, bottom. are we here? From the list, but in order, they're descending. Oh, yeah, but we're reading up. I'm I'm recapping what we did on Friday. So we're we're unveiling them up. Right, but people listening are going to hear, think they're going to hear ascending and think we're starting at one and going up. No, no, no. We're starting at the bottom. Bottom, now we're here. Whoever said that. Descending order. Descending order. No. The Atlanta Falcons. That's 100% incorrect. The Atlanta Falcons were 16. Descending isn't starting at the top and going down? Descending is starting at the top and going down. We're starting at the bottom. bottom He's recapping. But they can't see the page. They're only hearing That's why he's saying 16. That's why I said we're starting at 16. Right. So we're descending from from 16 down to 1. How he's reading them, the order they are. I promise you the correct word in English is ascending. So now that we've gotten through that. We're just going to read from the bottom up. How about that? That that makes sense for everybody. 16 is the Atlanta Falcons. 15 was the Arizona Cardinals. 14, the Chicago Bears. 13, the Seattle Seahawks. 12, the San Francisco 49ers. 11, the Philadelphia Eagles. 10, the New York Giants. 9, the Washington Commanders. 
that puts us to our number eight team. And this was uh, Matt Singh that he put together. So, Matt, I'll let you take it from here. Yep. So, uh, picking up at number eight. Uh, again, we scored them one through 16 in numbers. So the lower your average, the better you scored among us. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams are our number eight team, and we all felt the same. We all had them rated at eight. So their average is eight and they land in the correct position at number eight. So Dennis, how do you feel about the Rams backfield? So for me, it, it's, you know, there's kind of three different elements to this you've got studs but no backups you've got no studs but a lot of competent guys and then you've got guys that kind of all fill a different role but have some crossover and are pretty good and I think that's where the Rams fit you know Cam Akers is pretty good he I I feel like he'll be better this year coming you know a year removed from the Achilles given an appropriate amount of recovery time uh, Daryl Henderson has shown that for a couple games, he can carry the load, but he's a dynamic receiving back. Uh, I'm still a believer in Kyron Williams and Jake Funk showed a little bit last year as well. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if the Rams uh, do bring in a, a veteran to kind of offset that. So I feel like the Rams are a team that has a pretty good, uh, the, at the top they're they're okay. You know, acres is, is pretty good, but they've got, good solid depth all the way around and that's kind of why they land in the middle of the pack for me yeah i'm kind of right there with dennis i'm not necessarily a believer in cam Akers. i i've uh he was actually my fifth rated running back uh to begin with coming out of his class the injury doesn't help um you know he looked really good in that first game back but really kind of struggled in the playoffs but i don't want to ride him off just yet and achilles injury is still very difficult to come back from I want to see what he does this year, but I also am still a, a fan of Kyron Williams. I know he ran slow, but just everything he does on the football field is very good. He rated out very highly for me. They have Henderson. They have uh, Raymond Calais, Jake Funk. I mean, they've got a lot of really good running backs, and again, some of that played into, for me, is just Sean McVay knows how to call an offense. They're very effective when they need to run the ball. They don't run the ball a lot, which I think also helps that entire running back group. So they, they came into eight just because I think the, the depth is is there and it is very good. Because Henderson, we've seen also when he is healthy, can be a very effective running back. Yeah, and I think it's the same for me. They they have a solid group of running backs. They don't have any star makes them kind of middle of the pack and wouldn't you know it they land pretty much dead center in the nfc i think the fact that they've been real efficient um mixing in running backs is probably what gives them the nod to eight as opposed to ending up at like nine or ten um you probably could say the same thing about the next team in our block which is uh, uh coming in at number seven overall the tampa bay buccaneers their average is 6.6 dennis and i had them at seven matt you had them at six what did you like slightly more than we did? Leonard Fournette. I mean, he's he's shown it the past couple seasons. He's still a really good running back, and I think he's still going to be another really good running back for him this year. You add in Rashad White, who I do think is a very good running back, as well specifically in the receiving game. If they go back to that kind of split backfield, letting Leonard Fournette be kind of the runner and Rashad White being the receiving back, it's a really good offense, and if, if uh, Fournette gets hurt, I think White can easily step in and still be the runner. They still have Giovanni Bernard on the roster, I believe, so we know he is a good receiving back if, if they want to use him. 
I'm not giving up on Keyshawn Vaughn just yet. In the limited amount that they used him last year, he was effective. So overall, I think they've got a really good room. And again, Leonard Fournette has shown the past couple of years that he's whatever that was. Was it two years ago that they won the Super Bowl and that they nicknamed him Playoff Lenny? And then he actually kept that form into most of last season. I think he will continue to do that. Um, again, in the way they mix in running backs, whether it's Rashad White, they actually do use Giovanni this year. It's a good enough room with Tom Brady and the rest of that offense that these guys are going to be really good all season long. Yeah, my my biggest concern here is probably Fournette's age. And I I think they're going to have Fournette in a three-down role. Um, I think they'll sprinkle in White, they'll sprinkle in Bernard, and they'll sprinkle in Vaughn. Um, if Fournette goes down, then I think it becomes a three-headed monster. Uh, but I want to... You know, if I'm going, if I'm acquiring this backfield, I'm acquiring Fournette. And uh, it ends up being a a backfield that can produce high numbers. But Fournette's 27 years old, and that kind of knocked it down a little bit for me as well. We've seen him battle injuries in, in the past, and it's a, it, it is a concern um, because he is, I do believe, while White has some potential, he hasn't done it. He he could do it. He only had one year of uh, high-level production in college. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, for as productive as he was in college, has yet to, to do anything uh, in the NFL to speak of. And I think some of that is, has been uh, Arians putting him in the doghouse and not letting him out um, because, I, I, you know, Vaughn was really productive in the SEC. He led him in rushing, I think, his final year. So I, I like that I like that they have a couple of ways they can go. If if Fournette get it's going to be Fournette, but if Fournette gets hurt, they do have enough depth. I think that they'll spread it around. It'll be difficult for fantasy because you don't know who's going to really get the ball uh, if that happens. Yeah, I agree. So I think the difference for me with Tampa Bay as opposed to like the Rams is the Buccaneers have kind of that bona fide stud running back. You know, people want to believe that Cam Akers can be that for the Rams. Leonard Fournette has proven that both with Jacksonville and with Tampa Bay. But I'm with you, Dennis. If something happens to him and he gets injured, I think that's more of a group scenario. I don't know if we're ever going to see Keyshawn Vaughn hit the field. That's probably a couple of years ago. That's a draft pick that a lot of people would like to have back from rookie drafts because he was going like the tail end of the first round. looked like it was setting up to be this incredible opportunity. We have just not seen it with Rashad White coming in. They also have Giovanni Bernard. I I don't know what you get out of him anyway. Uh, the next team on our list is starts a pair of teams that are a little bit more polarizing. We were kind of on the same page with the Rams and the Buccaneers. We are not with the number six team, the New Orleans Saints. Their cumulative average comes in at five, um, but Matt has them at seven. Dennis, you have them at six. I have them at two. So, Dennis, what's uh, – what do you not like as much as me about the Saints? I, I don't like the Saints' depth. I know that Ingram has performed well as a backup, and they brought in Abram Smith, who's basically a, a younger, more athletic Mark Ingram. Uh, Tony Jones was supposed to be a guy that stepped up last year, and he didn't. Um, I, I, want, I want to buy into them, um, but Kamara – 
you know, they're, they've transitioned from throwing him 100 balls a year to rushing him 260 times a year, uh, and he isn't as productive. Now, he does have the size for that. You know, he's 5'11 and 215, so he, do, he does have the size to be a feature back in the running game. But as a passing weapon, that's that's his bread and butter. And I don't know if they're planning to go back to that with him this year, if they're going to keep featuring him as basically the three down back. Uh, and then Kamara's what he's going, he's in his going into his sixth year now. Um, he's starting to get up there in age. Uh, I, I don't know. As, as I reflect on my rankings, I, I almost think I probably would have moved Kamara down or Kamara, the, the Saints down a spot or two in my rankings uh, if I were doing them today. I, I like I like that it's a team that if everything goes well, Kamara is going to be awesome. Uh, Ingram and Smith will function sufficiently as grinders. Um, but I don't know if everything's going to go well with the new coach and new quarterback. Um, you know, Jameis only, only playing a few games last year. So any questions at wide receiver with Michael Thomas and, and stuff. So, you know, there are questions, but I, I, I couldn't, I, I don't know. You, I got to hear why you have them in two. That's that boggles the mind. I mean, for me, I love Alvin Kamara and I think he's incredible. Clearly. I think he's an incredible difference maker. I'm saying it's not without risk, I guess, because we don't know what's going to happen with his off field situation, but with Jameis Winston coming back, I think that offense is going to look a lot closer to what it was prior to the back half of last year. I think the fact that they had no wide receivers and no real quarterback to speak of meant everybody was gearing up to stop the run. Taysom Hill is probably not the guy to outlet to running backs as much. I like Mark Ingram there as depth. I like Abram Smith potentially there as depth, but it's all about Alvin Kamara for me. I I think he's incredible, and that's probably why I pulled him up. Yeah, so um, on episode one of this uh, where we did the, the 16 through 9, I mentioned on there that I, I did factor in the top guy a lot into my depth rankings because you, you want to value that, that type of running back. But the depth part also mattered to me, and – the reason I ranked him down here at seven, I almost thought about ranking him lower, but I just didn't want to be disrespectful to Kamara is Kamara is like one of the top three, four backs in the NFC, but I don't know how long he's going to be on the field this year. So if you take him out and even if you just say two games, I don't believe in Mark Ingram and Abram Smith being able to get it done. Like I know Mark Ingram was effective last year. I believe he had like a 3.4 or five average per yard carry last year. Um, I want to say he had 500 rushing yards. I was trying to pull it up, but I, he had a, for what they asked him to do, he was effective. And I love Abram Smith. I was one of his biggest supporters. I thought he should have been drafted in like the fourth or fifth round. He went undrafted. Lands with the Saints, one of the biggest UDFA contracts. I think he's locked in, but I don't believe in Adam Prentice, Divino, Zigbo, Tony Jones. I don't think any of those guys can do anything. So if Kamara's out for more than a couple games, I just don't. Mark Ingram and Abram Smith are the same player. They don't bring any kind of versatility like Alvin Kamara does. And then even once Alvin Kamara comes back, I, I do think that that team is going to be good, but I still worry about their depth because I don't think Mark Ingram is going – He's just not going to continue to produce the way he has his entire career. He's eventually going to fall off. And then I don't know that Abram Smith steps right in and is perfectly a marking room replacement. I'd love him to be, but I am a little bit worried about that. So without Kamara, I just think there's a lot of question marks behind him. And since we're, we're talking about the depth of the position, 
if Kamara gets hurt, if anything happens, you're just looking at a lot of question marks. And again, nobody on this team that can even do like a fraction of what Kamara can do, which is what makes that running game so special. Uh, so for me, they just, they had to get dropped because you're, you're likely going to miss Kamara for at least two games this season. I would think if he gets suspended and it's like a three or four game, they'll probably, you know, go and fight it, arbitration, whatever. And it's going to get dropped down to two games. And then again, if he gets hurt or anything like you, there's a chance you miss him for multiple games this year outside of just those two. Uh, so they came in at, at seven for me. Yeah, so Mark Ingram last year with the Saints, he got traded midseason. He appeared in seven games, saw 68 carries, 260 yards, and a touchdown average 3.8 yards per carry, which is not, not incredible probably. I mean, three point eight. <laughs> that's got to be pretty good for NFL average, right? I well, mean, that was not like yeah, that was about the same as what uh, Kamara ended up averaging. I think three point seven yards uh, per carry. Had two hundred and forty carries, eight hundred ninety eight yards. And my phone just like goes off there. Sorry. Little country music for you, just a wake up call. No, I was trying to pull up a stat, and an Aleve ad popped up on my phone. Maybe because I was complaining. Maybe my phone heard Maybe. you complaining about the shoulders and all that yeah. stuff. Now I got Aleve popping up. The phones are listening to us, people. It's we debated about today. English idioms. We, we talked about our aches and pains. This Aleve should be sponsoring this episode. Aleve, if you're out there, we're ready. Uh, the next two teams ended up tied, so they'll end up being tied for fourth. Uh, we'll get to the Detroit Lions in a minute, but the more interesting one is probably the Dallas Cowboys, where, again, we saw a fairly large split. The average uh, ends up being 4.6, and that's because Dennis went as high as three. I went as low as six. And, Matt, you were right there in the middle with five. How do you feel about the Cowboys' backfield? I just I think Zeke's demise has been widely overstated. I think he was very good last year, and I think he can still be this year. And I do think him mixed with Tony Pollard is just a really good mix. We've seen even when Zeke is hurt and they need to rely on Tony Pollard, he gets it done. Um, you know, there's obviously new questions about what this offensive line could be with some of the players that they've lost over the past couple of years and the injuries. Maybe what even this offense could be without Dak helping out in the running game and just being a passer. But I still think Zeke has got a year or two left of being one of the top guys. Like he's probably not top five in the NFC more anymore, but he's definitely still top 10. He, he's one of the better backs. I would argue he's probably top eight. So he's one of the best half back or top half. Uh, in the NFC, and again, Tony Pollard has been more than serviceable. I think those two guys paired together make for a good team. They, they have nobody behind them. Don't know who Malik Davis is. Ryan Nolan, and I don't know who Jaquan Hardy is either. So they have a bunch of guys that you're likely not going to get any production from behind them. But I think those two guys, and just how healthy those two guys have been as well. Zeke, even you go back to his Ohio State days, just does not miss many games. I don't think that changes. He played all last year with that PCL injury and was still fairly effective. I think just those two combined, and again, Zeke being a top guy just makes them one of the better uh, running back depth teams in the NFC for me. Yeah, I, I have them at three. I, I'm i primed for a Zeke bounce back. I think I do believe that Tony Pollard is – he, he's a guy that – is he going to produce at peak Zeke level if he gets if, if Zeke goes out and he takes over the role? I don't know. The peak Zeke level was pretty pretty freaking high, and so to to expect that from Pollard might be a little bit unrealistic. And then their third back, Rico Dowdell, a lot of people sleep on him, but he's a guy that I think 
while he, he plays primarily on special teams and mop-up duty now, at six foot two fifteen, he had a relative athletic score of eight point six two. Um, what was his forty time? Where did it go? Uh, four point five forty. He and while he plays mostly on special teams now, because of the top two depth, he did catch sixty two passes in college. Um, he's he's an effective pass catcher. He he never topped six hundred or let's see seven hundred and sixty four yards was his high water mark as a freshman in, in South Carolina. But he played against some quality teams in college, and I I feel like if Zeke goes down and Pollard moves up to the one and Dowdell moves up to the two, they're still going to be an effective running back uh, group. And then, and then to take top it all off, you've got, while an aging Zeke, who's what, 26 now, um, but he's racked up. He's probably pushing that 1500 carry threshold as well. Um, you know, if Zeke holds up, I think this team outperforms, Definitely the rankings you guys have, um, but I. It'll be twenty-seven in a month and a half. Okay, so he's and he has one thousand six hundred and fifty carries so far as an NFL so player. He's at the he's at the cliff, and like I you know I've, I've been he's calling a, him, I've been calling him a sell for a couple of years now. Well, I think it was two or three years ago. I'm like get out a year early rather than a year late. And then the next year, I was like, shit, man, he still got it. I'm back in. I think I'm buying now. Uh, where I got him, I'm holding. Uh, and I've got him on a couple rosters. And, then you know, I may retire him. Uh, I may just, you know, say, I love Ohio State. You've been a good back for me. I'm willing to let you re- sunset my my uh, my roster there. You know, I'm I, actually I right like, there with you. Yeah. I mean, I is he gonna is he going to have a five-plus yard per carry year? Probably not, but we've seen him catch 70 balls. We've seen him um, run for 1,500 yards. He's he's score a bunch of touchdowns. I don't think he's left that in the rear view just yet. He's I'm, I would ex- I, I I think a 50 catch 1,200 yard season is well within the uh, realm of possibilities for Zeke. And Matt, he may be over the cliff, but he's hanging on to that MFR like Sylvester Stallone in whatever that movie was. Cliffhanger. He's he's holding yeah. on for dear life, baby. He's not gone just yet. I may have to hang on to a cliff here too. Apparently, we're getting some kind of like windstorm. I, that's why I was yeah. looking at. I'm like, what is that? Uh, so I guess the number that sticks out to me, fifty eight point nine, and that is the yards per game that he averaged last year. That is the lowest of his career, and it continues the trajectory that we've seen all six years of his career. He averaged one hundred eight point seven yards per game as a rookie, and his yards per game has declined every single year. The where it's going i mean i know you you still see him as a as a top five back i think we still like the potential talent but for me he's a low-end rb2 now um based on the kind of production you're getting the one great thing you're right is he has been on the field i mean he's played at least 15 games in five out of his six seasons which is great he played all 17 games last year but you weren't getting incredible production 10 touchdowns helped, but in his career, he's had a lot of seasons where he's had six or seven touchdowns. So you start taking a few touchdowns away. And if that yards per game continues to drop closer to the 50 yards per game, 
That's tough. I do like Tony Pollard, but for me, it was kind of weighing that against what I still think is going to be a pass-heavy offense. So I had them closer to middle of the pack. You know, they they were six for me, so they were upper middle. But that's just where they end up landing for me. The NBA playoffs means next level basketball. Get in on the first round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place a same-game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. Again, the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can also bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? Well, with DraftKings same-game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at even bigger payouts. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get free up to $25 back if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, that is TPPN. PN bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777 or Visit httpccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP. That is 1-877-770-7867. In Louisiana, 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK. Text HOPE-NEW-YORK or 46739 in New York. Or visit opgr.org. Oregon, call or text Tennessee's red line 1-800-889-9789, 1-88-532-3500 for Virginia, 21 and up, 18 and up in Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, and New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Um, The next team that they were tied with is the Lions, who also had a 4.6 average. We were much more uniform here. Matt, you had them at four. Dennis and I had them at five. So, Dennis, your Detroit Lions, what do you like about the backfield? What's there not to like about uh, DeAndre Swift? I mean, guys, uh, he's he's a little bit smaller Alvin Kamara, 
you know, he's he it wouldn't surprise me for him to catch 75 balls this year. Uh, he's an effective runner, but I think at five, what's he, five foot nine, eight, five foot nine, 208 pounds or something like that. I don't want to see him run five, the ball. Nine, two, eleven, according okay. to the roster. Yeah, I guess that's a pretty decent size. That's still, I don't know that I want to see him bang the ball up the middle, uh, uh, you know, five, six, eight, ten times a game. Uh, I'd like to see, he's, he's a much better back working in space and on the edge. Um, allows his explosiveness to show through. Jamal Williams, for as much as we love to hate Jamal Williams, is an effective running back. Six foot, 224 pounds. That's the guy you pound up the middle with. Um, they've got some depth with Jamar Jefferson and Godwin, Godwin Iguabuque and Craig Reynolds. Uh, Reynolds is a 220-pound back. So from t- and we saw Reynolds come in yet last year and – and do well. We saw Iguabuike come off the special teams and do well. We saw Jamar Jefferson bust a, what, 35 or 40-yard touchdown. So they have, I think the Lions have really good unproven depth long-term. You know, most of those guys are second-year guys now or third-year guys. You know, uh, uh, Reynolds is a small school guy. But DeAndre Swift is a, a, I think, by most accounts, a top five, top eight running back. And and he's an elite producer if he stays healthy. And I think we're primed to see a healthy season from him. Um, And I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, the more I look at it, I kind of wish I'd moved him to three. I I don't know that I could move him over my top two teams. But uh, just a spoiler alert, I had Minnesota Vikings at three, and I actually kind of like the Lions' depth better because outside of really two guys on Minnesota, I don't like anybody. I mean, Dennis just outlined it. Swift, who, I mean, he's all practically the same size as Alvin Kamara. They're only a couple pounds different. So, I mean, it, he's not quite as explosive, I, I don't think, as, as Kamara, but he's still an incredible receiving back, really good runner. Jamal Williams, as Dennis just mentioned, is we saw it in Green Bay, was very effective. I think the injuries and just not being used a ton here in Detroit hurt him a little bit last year, but Craig Reynolds was productive. In my opinion, Jamar Jefferson looked amazing, and until he suffered that injury, it might have been, we may not even have seen the Craig Reynolds breakout had it not been Jamar Jefferson getting hurt on that long run that Dennis mentioned. So they've got a bunch of guys that have proven they can do it, and then again, you talk about having DeAndre Swift, who is one of the top, not just the top NFC running backs, but top running backs in the NFL overall. Like, I think there's an argument for them to be a top three team. And and the more, like I said, the more I look at it, I think I would bump them over my number three team. I just, I think the team overall is good. They're heading in, a right, in the right direction. And they've got a lot of really good players at running back. Yeah, I like their overall depth. And I like DeAndre Swift. I like DeAndre Swift a lot. Some of my questions are a little bit about usage. I mean, I don't think he's a guy who's ever going to get – um, you know, 900 or 1,000 yards, you need him to be active in the receiving game. They added quite a few receiving weapons. I'll be curious to see what that offense looks like. And then, you know, Swift, he has been pretty consistent. He's appeared in 13 games each of his two seasons, but he's only appeared in 13 games. I wouldn't necessarily say he's been totally unhealthy, but he's probably a guy that gets banged up a little bit in that system. Overall, I like their group of running backs, and I think it's a – it's a good squad, but I just had them down a little bit um, over the team. So we have above them probably because of, you know, maybe having that, that kind of 
stud running back uh, a little bit when we were talking about um, scoring. So the team that comes in at three for us is the Carolina Panthers. And Dennis and I had them at four, but Matt, you had them at two. Uh, What do you like about the Panther backfield? Well, obviously, CMC kind of anchors this a lot. Um, I've mentioned uh, to some other people in just conversations on Twitter that I'm not quite out on CMC like some people are. I know he's been injured. He's played in like, what, seven games the past two seasons. But I still think he has a chance to be, if he is healthy, and I know you're asking a big if there, if he is healthy, he's still, in my opinion, the best running back. And I love me some Jonathan Taylor. CMC is the best running back in fantasy and one of the best in the NFL. And the biggest thing that jumped in for me is Chuba Hubbard's okay, but I think they brought in a true backup and someone who can help CMC, and that's Donta Foreman, who we saw last year at Tennessee took the mantle after Derrick Henry went down and maybe didn't produce quite as good as Derrick Henry, but it was pretty damn close. Then you go into an offense like this who could use a guy like him. I think the mixture of those three is really good. And if you, we have to look at this as everybody stays healthy all season wrong, right? Like we can't predict injury, can't do that in fantasy, can't do that when you're looking at this. So if I'm assuming CMC stays healthy all year, they have one of the best running backs in the entire NFL. And then they brought in a guy who could really help relieve some of that that running role from Christian McCaffrey and Dante Foreman and is also a guy who, if McCaffrey is injured for a couple of games, in my opinion, can easily step up and do the rushing part and let Hubbard be the receiving back that he showed he could be in college. So I think those three alone with what Christian McCaffrey did, and maybe I'm overrating Dante Foreman a little bit too much, but just what he did last year in Tennessee was extremely impressive to me that I think those guys all together deserve to be the best group here or the second best group in the NFC. I I think that based on CMC's injury history the last few years, that there is going to be a slight lean towards letting Foreman do some grinding. Uh, I think Foreman is probably going to get a, a few more carries than uh, a lot of people perceive right now. Is he going to be consistently fantasy viable? Probably not. He's probably going to be a guy that, you know, maybe he gets seven to eight, maybe nine carries a game. Uh, but you're going to need to hope for a touchdown uh, to have him be like your last flex guy on, in, on most occasions. But if CMC goes down, I do think we see a world where uh, Deontay Foreman uh, puts up, you know, 20 carry games, 25 carry games, because he's got that size and he's got that brutality when he runs. And he showed himself to be effective last year. And it's been, I, I feel like Foreman's path back from the torn Achilles is a lot more indicative of the recovery of that than Cam Akers. I do think Foreman, while it cost him a couple years, and he probably wasn't quite the athletic talent coming out that that Cam Akers was. Uh, I like Dante Foreman as, as my running back too, if I'm the Carolina Panthers. And uh, let's see who is Chuba Hubbard. I think Hubbard and Foreman, neither one have the pass catching chops that uh, CMC does. And so I think in training camp, the the Carolina Panthers are going to be looking for a back to be that pass catching backup. Maybe Hubbard comes through. Maybe Foreman shows that he can do it. Maybe there's a, a fourth guy added to the mix, you know, a James White type of back that they know can be productive. You know, who knows, maybe the, the, uh, the, the Patriots 
release J.J. Taylor and he's able to go on because we've seen him fill that James White role there uh, in New England. But I, I, I agree with you that it's it's hard to to not put uh, the Panthers' backfield up there high because of CMC. I have them at four because I've been burned for two years with injuries. He gets dinged up. He's he's what twenty six years old, twenty seven years old now as well. Um, I definitely think there's. I I feel like we've got about five hundred catch seasons of McCaffrey coming, but along with those, you're looking at somewhere between hundred and hundred and fifty carries. I don't think you're looking at a, a ton of rushing production from him. Yeah, he turns twenty six uh, in a couple of days actually uh and that's it for me i love cmc he you are right matt he's played in 10 games in the last two seasons i do feel like a little bit last year it seemed like they shut him down down the stretch because they were out of it and they didn't want to risk an injury so it is fair to wonder if he maybe could have appeared in a few more games doesn't help you as a fantasy player the reason why they shut him down but I think he is an incredible top-end talent, and I'm with you, Matt. I like that they brought in Deonta Foreman, and I think he and Chuba Hubbard give them some good depth, makes it a very appealing backfield, but that is a little bit why I have them at four. I dropped down because of that injury risk, and also if, let's say we do get 12, 13, 14 games of Christian McCaffrey, but we're also getting in that time more Deonta Foreman carrying the ball, you might see some of the top end of that uh, ceiling drop off. Before we get to our number two team, Matt, do you want to uh, tackle the question? Yeah, so uh, Zara here asked, is the Debbie community overlooking Tyon Evans? I don't think so. Um, Zajuko kid, this is his fourth year in college. He's going, he just transferred to LA, not LSU, I'm sorry, Louisville. And I just don't think that he's better than Travion Cooley. So I don't know that he's going to get on the field a ton. He is a more physical runner than a guy who he'd rather run through you than around you. Uh, and I think Travion Cooley is the much better running back. And then you have to add in that they have, uh, Malik Cunningham, who's going to get a lot of rushes as well at Louisville. So I just don't know that Tyon Evans is really going to do much for um, Louisville on the ground, in which case I, I just don't know that he's going to be valued very highly by the NFL. Again, just because he's a power back, I, I don't necessarily see him as a guy who he, he's not going to ma- make anybody miss in a phone booth. And he sure is not going to do that in like a parking lot either. He's just not elusive. So I, I'm not a big fan of him, but I, uh, you know, I also like Jamar Jefferson a lot last year and we saw how well the NFL evaluated him. So. Don't give up on Jamar Jefferson. I you will never, never give up never. on Jim. If I had my Galaxy Quest gift here, which I post everywhere, I would do it. Never give up, never surrender. So the number two team on our countdown coming in with a cumulative score of 2.6 is the Minnesota Vikings. And Matt and I had the Vikings rated as our number three team. Dennis, you were a touch higher at two. What do you like about the Vikings? You know, I get punch drunk on Dalvin Cook's open field ability sometimes. I mean, I the dude is just phenomenal. And then Alexander Madison, you know, it, it could be I, – I think I'm probably looking at uh, Alexander Madison as being, you know, the next Michael Burner Turner where he goes somewhere and he backs up an, a, a great running back for his first contract and – 
you know, you're not going to franchise tag your backup running back. You, you just aren't, unless you're going to let your, your lead dog go. Well, I don't see uh, the Vikings letting Dalvin Cook walk. Um, and I think that's why the Vikings drafted Ty Chandler, because I think they feel that he can move right into that Alexander Madison role. When Madison has had to sub for Cook, they don't miss a beat. They run the same offense. He does all the same things, just a tick worse. For lack of a better, I mean, Dalvin Cook is is a phenomenal running back. Uh, the top end production that he can provide you. Now he he'll miss a game here and there as well because he does play hard and he's for somebody who's as elusive. Uh, there are times where he becomes non elusive and turns himself into a battering ram, and, and that kind of can hamper him sometimes. I think he's what he's a 5'11", 215 pound guy as well, kind of in that. Uh, 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 Alvin Kamara mold, but I, I like the, the top two. And I think Chandler will round that, that running back room out from the perspective of it doesn't matter which one is in there. They're going to do the same thing and they're going to execute it well. And I think that, that puts them, uh, up at two for me. Yeah, I mean, I had him at three, and I I just argued to put Detroit over them, and I still think I would. Uh, I I'm worried about Dalvin Cook starting to to slowly work his way back. Um, his his fall has not been quite as steep as Zeke's, uh, but he's been injured every single year as well. He's actually missed games where Zeke hasn't. Granted, when he's on the field, Dalvin Cook is just unstoppable at times, but I do think that that's going to start coming to an end as he's just been really beat up. And as for elusive as he is as a running back, as Dennis just mentioned, in the open field, he is fun to watch. He does seem to take some unnecessary contact at times, which I also think hurts him because he's just shown that he he has not really been able to hold up. I like Alexander Madison. I just think he's a bigger drop-off from Dalvin Cook than others do. While he produces at times what Dalvin Cook does, it feels like that's one of every like three games he's Dalvin Cook. And then the other two, he's not been that good. And I just don't believe in any of the other guys there. I like Ty Chandler, but I don't know that he's really anything more than just a replacement level running back, if I'm being honest. like I, Maybe he's able to step in there if one of those guys goes down and get you a couple tough yards here and there. I don't think he's overly special. You know, I'm not big on the Kenny Kene. Kene Nuangu. That yeah, dude. Kene Nuangu. Kene Nuangu. Hopefully I just said that right. Like, I, I know everybody Close was enough. hyped. Uh, yeah, there we go. Thank you. That's all that matters. Close enough. Um, I know everybody's, there's a lot of people hyping him up. Uh, I'm not here for it. Don't care about CJ Ham. Don't care about Asman Rose or Asim Rose, however you say his name. Like, there's nobody else on that depth chart I want outside of those two. And I just, I think Cook's going to take a step back. And I don't think Alexander Madison is, is, quite in the realm of some of the other guys that people that the other these other teams have backing them up so i would actually drop them to four for me probably even lower the more i look at it but uh they've still got really good top two guys yeah i like i like dalvin cook um sometimes i think it's hard just because minnesota leaves you feeling so vanilla um to remember how good some of their fantasy assets are. And since we're looking at it as a fantasy asset, and also sadly, I think I mentioned before, I've run my uh, season simulation a couple of times, and um, God help me, I have the Vikings in the playoffs this year. Um, <laughs> it's 
going to take me months to get over that. Um, that I like. I like Cook. I like Madison as depth. Uh, you'll be happy to know that uh, Rose has decided upon the official roster to go to AJ, so you don't have to attempt that first name ever again. Um, Thank you. I'm pretty I, sure I said it wrong. I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to be called Assam, but I just don't know how else to say it. So, uh, last you, you could do worse than putting Ass Man Rose in your lineup. I mean. Last year for Cook, his touchdowns fell off a little bit. Uh, he was at six the two previous years. He had been at 13 and 16. I think that buoys up again a little bit more. Um, I think Minnesota's offense will be a little bit better with Kevin O'Connell uh, in there at court, at uh, coach, not at quarterback. Although maybe it wouldn't be any worse than now. But I digress. We were not split at all about our top team, every one of us had them ranked as number one, and that is the Green Bay Packers. Matt, what do you enjoy about the Packer backfield? I mean, it's Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and that's really, I think, all you have to say. Those two have been absolutely amazing. We saw it even when Jamal Williams was there, what they they did use A.J. Dillon in that role last year was just absolutely amazing so I, I think those two paired together with the way they run that offense the way they use those guys they don't allow they don't allow Aaron Jones and I may have just said Austin Jones multiple times running back for Stanford okay I wasn't sure I had Austin popping in my head there maybe it's because I'm messaging him right now and that's kind of messing with my mind Aaron Jones they don't allow him to take as much as we from the fantasy community want him to get like 300 carries and 50 60 70 catches they don't have him be the workhorse. And I think a lot of that is to make sure that he stays healthy because he is so dynamic. We saw AJ Dillon jump into that Jamal Williams role last year and was incredible, incredibly effective before I'm getting choked up over here, incredibly effective before he got injured. And Kylan Hill was actually kind of good for like half a game before he got hurt as well. But even if you don't want to put Kylan Hill in there, they don't really have much to speak behind those guys. You know, Taylor Patrick, I actually think Tyler Goodson is an incredible receiving back. I don't know at his size that he's going to do much for them in the rushing game, but he could be just another added weapon to that running back backfield. I think, just again, just Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon sitting at the top of that dip. They're two of the best duo we have in the NFC overall, which I think put them at one for me. Yeah, the explosion that Aaron Jones provides in the passing game and the running game is – it, it, it's Alvin Kamara-esque. Um, you get him in space, he's he gets it done. <clears throat> and he's shown that he can he can catch the ball really, really well. I I think last year was kind of indicative of what we can expect from Aaron Jones. You know, he only carried the ball 171 times, only 800 yards. Uh I think he'll probably tick up a little bit given that wide receiver core from his 52 receptions. So I could see him setting a new career high in receptions with 60, 65, maybe even 70 receptions. But I feel like AJ Dillon is going to put up 200 plus carries. And I'm as the, the past 12 months have gone on, I have went from, I at no point do I want AJ Dillon to man, I was wrong about A.J. Dillon. Um, in a, my only startup I've done this year, which was a standard league, uh, I drafted A.J. Dillon as my RB2 uh, because I feel like 
especially in standard. I don't think Dylan's going to – I think Dylan has shown he can, can catch the ball serviceably, but I don't think he's going to catch a ton of passes. He's going to run it. He's six foot, what, one, 235 pounds, 245 pounds. He's a big dude, and he's shown himself to be really, really – 247. So – and he's a fantasy-friendly guy too. You know, he was joining sleeper leagues last year. Uh, shout out to Sauce Dylan or AJ Sauce or I forget how his uh, Twitter handle goes. Anyways, he's I, – I think that the top two combination of them will be balanced and effective in what they do. And they do have enough crossover that if – you know, they're going to run – Jones enough that you won't be able to just say, oh, Aaron Jones is in there to pass. And they're going to throw to Dylan enough. Dylan will probably catch 25 balls. You know, he's not going to run patterns. They'll be mostly dump off type things, but he'll catch them and he'll produce with them. I think this backfield, and then you throw in Patrick Taylor and Kylan Hill, who both have in very limited duty uh, before injuries have shown themselves to be pretty capable running backs. I think they've got really good depth if they're healthy. And you've got two really high-end guys at the top of the rotation. I think it's hard to put it's hard to put anybody else up there because I don't know who is going to – if one of them goes down, I think you can expect elite production. And I don't know if, if there's another team that has two guys like that, that if one of them goes down, you'll still get the elite production. Yeah, and, and you guys have mentioned it. They have some interesting depth pieces, which which adds to it. But it's really about Dylan and Jones. Uh, you know, I don't think there's another team for me on this list that has two guys that I think are going to be starts every week. And I think both these players can be started every week in Dylan and Jones. We saw the Packers lost Devontae Adams. Their receiving core is definitely a work in progress. A lot of people have wondered, how do you make up for something like that? I think we're going to see these two backs on the field together a lot um, this season. You're right. Dylan is a, is a great runner. We've seen him be an okay receiver. Aaron Jones can be a dynamic runner. He's a fantastic receiver. And I think that's how they bridge a little bit of the gap and the issues in their passing game is if you you put both backs on the field, you could split Aaron Jones out and have him be more of a receiver at times. I think Jones could be in for a Le'Veon Bell Steelers type season where he's running, but also catching a lot of balls and very fantasy relevant. At the same time, I think Dylan's going to be out there getting enough of a workload rushing that he's going to be fantasy relevant in every game as well, which is to me what puts them over the top and makes them the, the number one option on this list. You guys have any other thoughts about the NFC backfields? No, I think we nailed it consensus wise. I'm excited to see what we do with the AFC ones. They're I know the important the important thing on the on these NFC backfields, we were all in lockstep about the worst team, the dead middle team, and the top team. And that's all that matters. That's really all that matters. Will we have at least three teams where we're all the same in the AFC? You can find out starting on Friday when we will probably look at the bottom half of the AFC draw. You guys can see my rankings now. I'll be curious to see where you put yours in there. But unless there is anything else, I think wishing everybody a uh, a pleasant Memorial Day. 
Looks like the windstorm has stopped here, so that's good news for me. You guys have anything else you want to add? Just want to say thanks to all those who gave the ultimate sacrifice in service to our country. That was a lot better than what I was going to say. <laughs> Dennis is right. I was going to say on to Stranger Things, but yes, thank you to anybody who has sacrificed, um, made the ultimate sacrifice, allowing us to do this. And and honestly, thank you to everybody who still serves in the military. I've had a lot of a lot of my family um, is or was in the military. Um, something I know I could never do. So uh, thank you to everybody who has served our country and allowed us to be able to sit here and and podcast multiple times a week and talk about fake football. <laughs>